humbleness and meekness. And Lord, that what I say would not be a thing to to offend, but Father, at the same time, Lord, I cannot be worried about offending with the truth. So Lord, I ask that you would help me and strengthen me. And Lord, bless the ones that hear this, Lord, and let their ears hear the word and the intent behind what is said. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you... Uh, Go with me this morning. We're going to start in Genesis, and we're going to preach the entire Bible. So get get ready. <laughs> Sit down. We're going to do this. Now, uh, I was laughing yesterday. I was kind of talking to Brother Jordan. Uh, we were both studying for our sermons today. I, yesterday I was working, and it was just like, I was getting more and more scripture and this idea and this thought and it would just build and build and build and I ended up with like 15, 16 pages of notes and uh, <clears throat> I, I can't go through 15 pages in one sermon and then I remembered, well I have I have two sermons on this Sunday because it's my turn at uh, Charles's too so I can do that and then I was working on trying to find the splitting line and and it turned into three and I think that when I go look at it again it might turn into some more but uh, I was laughing because you know sometimes it, it comes like that where you just you're overwhelmed with what God wants to say and uh, the scripture just speaks but then other times you know you feel like a struggle you have to uh, really try to pull something out of one scripture and you, you can't really uh, you can't really do that so, uh, what they say is when it rains, it pours. Well, I don't mind it raining scripture. I just hope that I can uh, come to you and give you what, what's inside of me to say because that's the important thing. I mean, I've learned a lot yesterday. I just want to make sure I can bring it to you. So today, the uh, title of today is, What Fruit Do You Bear? And uh, we've, we've touched on this uh, in sermons before, but uh, I've never really uh, delve into what the Bible is actually saying about these fruits. So if we look into Genesis chapter 2 and verse 9, we see that in the beginning God starts this creation... And verse 9, it says, And out of the ground made the Lord God unto, made Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, we know that there is a, a difference between the tree of life and the knowledge of good and evil. And between them and the trees that were grown for food and grown in the garden because he says in the midst of the garden there's a there's a he sets that aside um, and I'm not going where you think I'm going with this 
So uh, if you skip down to verse 16, you see that God is very specific about how he has set up this, uh, this new creation. He said, The Lord commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou shalt eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. So, what is the, uh, what's the penalty? It's death. The, to disobey God, and to take hold of this fruit, and to eat it, and to consume this, is to die. And God is very clear. And the devil hates it when God is clear to man. When he says something very plainly, the devil has to turn it and twist it and make it this and make it that. And the problem is that the Bible is too plain. It's too clear. It tells people exactly who God is and what God wants, and how to love Him, and how to please Him, and how to be accepted, and all of these things. It's plain in the Scripture, but what happens is men want to come along and they want to twist it, and make it harder for you to understand because they have a special revelation from God. They've had their tinfoil hats on, and they're getting these extra sensory perceptions from God, and uh, what happens there is you have to twist the word in order to make it fit your ideas. And when you do that, you're a tool in the devil's hand. Just like in, uh, we're going to go into chapter 3 of Genesis here. And we all know the story of how the serpent uh, tempted Eve and... and beguiled her and she took this fruit but if we look specifically at the scripture you see that how the serpent twisted the word of God to Eve and Eve answered wrong it wasn't that she did wrong she hadn't done anything yet but she answered the serpent wrong and it gave the serpent an end so we look in chapter 3 and verse 1 and says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord hath made and he had said unto the woman yea hath God said Ye shall not eat of every tree in the garden. So right off the bat, he's lying. Said so God said you can eat of you. You have all you know freedom to do whatever. You can eat of every tree. God said so. Well, we look. He, he did say that. So thou mayst eat freely. But this, don't touch it. So, when God says, but, 
you have to pay attention. So the serpent is taking this and he's really trying to pull on Eve. Now if you notice that what we read in uh, Genesis chapter 2, God was commanding man. He was talking to Adam. It doesn't mention Eve here. That God didn't come to Eve and say this. It was kind of a... It, you're left feeling like the... Uh, Adam's responsibility was to tell Eve what the deal was. So when you look at this, he says in verse 2, the woman answers and said unto the serpent, we may eat of every true fruit of the trees of the garden. That's right, we, we can. We can eat of everything. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden... God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it. God didn't say that. He didn't say don't touch it. So she's adding to what God has said. So if you don't eat it, you're not going to touch it. You're not going to go around it. You're not going to consume it. You're not going to be around this tree. So... <clears throat> She adds this in, and you look, and it takes the serpent a minute. And he says, ah, she doesn't really know. She, she didn't really hear. She wasn't paying attention. Now, this isn't about woman, okay? Uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not going there. Uh, women, <laughs> women have been abused by this scripture for centuries. That, uh, you know, it was the woman's fault that we're all in this mess, and Women bad. You know, if you really believe that, you're an idiot. Because Adam had a free choice to say, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need this. I don't, have, I don't need to take this fruit. I don't need to deal with this. You can go on your merry way. He had that choice. But Adam decided to go with her rather than with the commandments of God. So it isn't her fault. It's both their faults. So get that woman bad thing out of your brain because that's not going to help you in life. Um, and she, she says she knows the penalty for eating it is lest you die. And the serpent, this is where he closes the trap. He says, And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good from evil. So, here, what's this a picture of? It says, Adam walked with God in the cool of the evening. This is a picture of Someone that doesn't have the same relationship. That she doesn't... And it's unfortunate that she's the woman because of what I mentioned before, but she doesn't have the same connection to God because, first of all, she feels the, ne the necessity to add to the commandment of God when she's talking to the serpent. And then the serpent can tell her 
that God didn't really say it this way, that God is different than what Adam told you he was. God's not, God lied to Adam. It's not Adam's fault, he lied. So the liar always wants to make the true man the liar. You've heard of projection? You ever have somebody come and tell you, well, you're dishonest and you're worthless and all this stuff? It's because that's what they are. And they're projecting onto you their attributes and the things that they have done. Because in the mind of people, this kind of goes back to if you're uh, pure, all things are pure. And if you're unclean, all things are unclean. What it means is you, if you're naive and you think that everybody's like you and good, you're gullible and you, you get into some trouble because you're not wise yet. You don't know that there are bad people out there. And if you're unclean in your mind, you start to project that onto everybody and you start to see that, oh, you know, there are shadows lurking in, in everything and you're very mistrustful and, and uh, you start pointing at people and, and things. So anyway, when we look at how he talks to her and says, God lied to you. He just doesn't want you to touch it because he knows it'll make you powerful. It'll make you wise. You'll know good and evil. And what's so wrong with that? What's so wrong with knowing good and evil? Isn't that, you know, kind of a basic thing that we teach our children? The difference between right and wrong? You know, that's something that they should be able to do, right? Well, it goes deeper than that because... It's not about knowing good from evil. It's about letting evil into the world. And so it says, The woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree be desired to make one wise. Now remember this term. She wanted to be made wise. So she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. So here we have the, the basic fall of humanity. You know, in the garden. So what God did is he created two trees. The tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And he said, don't touch this one. Because when you take that, the penalty is death. Now, there's something else in the Bible that has the same penalty. And God is the God of infinity, but like I said, he's simple. He, he keeps things on a simple term because he knows his creation. And he wants there to be no uh, confusion. And it's not... God that made the Bible confusing, it's man that makes it confusing. And if we look at what this other thing that has death involved with it, it's sin. The wages of sin is death. Now, when we take that and we look at how sin entered into the world, through the garden, through disobedience, and through the desire to become wise we look and we see something else. And Paul talks about this later, and he says, 
that sin entered into the world because nobody knew what sin was until the law. The law is basically the knowledge of good and evil. So God was saying to them, do not partake in the judgment of good and evil because I am the judge. So as you become like gods, the serpent was right. You try to take something away from God and put it into your own life. And you start to make the judgment about what you can do and what they're doing wrong. And so you take the, uh, the right from God and put it into your own life. So that's why when Moses was given the law, the law was given by God. Because this law is the best thing that you have now because you don't have a relationship with God. You cannot, you do not have a way to cleanse your sin. You only have a way to recognize your sin. So the law is really a fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So when you look at this, the tree of life, it, it bears forth a fruit. And in Revelation, it, it bears forth 12 different types of fruit. But right now, it only bears one fruit. And if you, if you understand life and how life comes about, you understand that for it to come about rightly, there's something that must be involved, and that's love. And so when you look at these two trees, and you see the two laws that God set in the earth, one was the law to recognize sin and the law to overcome it. So when you look at the law to overcome it, you look at love. So when you recognize the two fruits, then you have to understand that people are going to bear these fruits forth. They are going to bear forth the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, which will make them die. And it is a sin. And this isn't something that just happened in the garden. Well, people have been bearing these fruits for, you know, ever since the garden, all the way through time. And if we turn into Matthew in chapter 7, Jesus is speaking to the people here, and he's giving them a warning. If you look in verse 15... Did I say Matthew 9? Seven. Okay, all right, good. I said the right thing, 7. <laughs> I don't know why my brain went to 9. Uh, but if you look here in verse 15, Jesus is telling you what to look for. In fruits. Because people that bear forth this fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they are always concerned with the law. 
they're always concerned with how things appear. They're always concerned that something doesn't measure up. And I grew up that way. I grew up in a, in a church that uh, everything that you did was scrutinized. Everything that you said was judged. And we even had messages about our conversation. And if you were having too much fun as a young person, if you were laughing, for, for instance, and, and just laughing, not, not at anything uh, vulgar or anything, but if you were loud and you were laughing, there was something wrong. You had to be sinning because you were enjoying yourself. And God knows that in the Bible, we all know that God says in the Bible, joy comes through suffering, right? Your joy is this downtrodden, horrible feeling that you have all the time. And then our joy will come later and, you know, praise the Lord, I'm suffering for Jesus. And pure baloney. And if you don't know what baloney is, it's not good. So, uh, what they put in it anyway. But, uh, so when you look at these, Jesus is pay, wanting you to pay attention to people that are bearing forth these fruits. It says in verse 15, Jesus names these people. It says, beware of false prophets. These people are false prophets. Because they come in the, the guise of God. They come with God's law. They come with his rules. But they, they're missing something. Because they are eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. They're not paying attention to the tree of life. It says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly, they are ravening wolves. What does ravening mean? It means that they'll, they'll tear you up. They're, they're not just wolves. They are ready to destroy you. They don't want to just eat you. They want to tear you into pieces. So this is, uh, this is something that I want you to remember because tonight we're going to go into some more things about this. But... Jesus tells you to beware of false prophets. That they come to you in sheep's clothing. They look holy. They might have the most holy looking life. They might not go to the restaurants that serve alcohol. Or they might not go places that play loud music. Uh, and, and they might, you know, sequester themselves away and, and all these things. But uh, that's not what God's talking about. That's the outward appearance, but holiness isn't an outward appearance. It's an inward knowledge. It's an inward relationship with God. And it says, how are we going to tell? You know, this raises the question, what are false prophets? How are we going to deal with this? When I see somebody stand up and they look nice, is that automatically a false prophet? No, because sometimes... Christian people are good Christian people. You have to, to look beyond what the outside is. And it says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? 
So, what is their fruit? What are they bearing forth? Are they bearing forth the fruit of death, of knowledge of good and evil? Is there conversation about the law? Is their whole attitude towards Christianity about what's right and wrong? Do and don't? Good and evil? Because then it becomes a moral argument and it stops being spiritual. It becomes a fleshly idea and it stops looking at what God is doing. So, by their fruits you shall know them. You're not going to get grapes from a thistle. And if you know what a thistle is, you know, uh, those are terrible things. I remember when I was a kid, before they grow all the way up, they grow out a little bit and they got these little spikes that stick out of them. And you step on them and you don't know they're there and it hurts. You're not getting no food from that. There's only one thistle that you can get food from, and it's an artichoke. But it's not a grape. It says, even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. So, all right. So we know that a good tree brings forth fruit. It, it produces something. The bad tree, bad tree produces something too. And it's rotten. It's not good for you. It's not good to eat. It's a crab apple. Those things will kill you. Or there's one thing around here. It's called an Osage orange. And it's this lumpy looking green thing. And it's got hair sticking out of it. And it's disgusting looking. But, and if you try to bite into it, the inside of it, not only is it just terrible, but it's just full of, like, cottony stuff. It's disgusting. It's not food. It's not good to eat. Now, this always worried me because they would always stop with this verse and say, Good tree brings forth good fruit. And a bad tree, corrupt, a corrupt tree brings forth bad fruit. The end. Well, look at the next verse. It says, a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth any good fruit. So when you're a good tree, you ain't got to worry about it. So all things are pure to the pure. You don't have to worry that, oh, am I producing the right thing here? Am I making this, you know, apple look just right? Is it is it sweet enough? Is it... No, that's not your problem. Because the tree of knowledge and good and evil will not produce food. It will not produce life. That's what God was trying to say when he told Moses about what was going on back then. Is this tree, this branch of Creation will not bring forth life. It brings forth death. Knowing good and evil will make you die because you recognize that you're evil. But if you have the tree of life and you are producing its fruits, you understand that you have eternal life. 
because it comes from God. So a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit. Now this is something, this is a promise that God makes to, to, every, to us. It says, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. So if we take this warning and instruction from Jesus and we add in what we just read in Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 6. Now let's go to Galatians chapter 5 and we'll start at verse 17. Remember the two laws here of love and the law of knowledge of good and evil. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to another. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would, but if ye are led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Knowledge of good and evil. What's this law? What's he talking about here? So and then verse 19, I put a little subtitle over these verses because it's the fruit of the flesh. This is what the attributes of a flesh-filled, carnal-minded Christian will produce. Because remember, the Bible isn't concerned with the world because the world is not going to listen to the Bible. It's concerned with Christians and religious people. People with relationships and people who fake it. So, when we look at this, it says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. Now variance means they make differences between them. Emulations. What's an emulation? They're pretending to be something that they're not. They're putting on that sheep's clothing. Wrath, strife, sedition, and heresies. So they go completely against God. These are not worldly people. These are religious people that Paul is talking about. He's talking about those of the circumcision. Because when you read Galatian, you understand that he talks about people coming in, false brethren brought in unawares, and they want to impart the law onto them and say that their salvation has to be Jesus plus whatever. And we've talked about this. Jesus plus whatever equals wrong. So, idolatry. Hey, we know some idolaters. I grew up with some idolaters. They, they have a man that they love more than anything. Several men. 
Witchcraft? Witchcraft is disobedience. Hatred? Yeah, there that's there too. Variance? Making differences between one another? Making uh, discord? That's there. Emulations? Well, yeah. Wrath? Just tell them that their prophet isn't their prophet and stand back a minute. You'll see that one. Strife, sedition, and heresies. Well, anytime you put a man in a place he doesn't belong between you and God, that's heresy. Envying. They envy one another. I've talked about this before. When you're a preacher in this, you, you're supposed to have, have the next best revelation, you know, and they have to, they're kind of, oh, I wish I'd come up with that, or this is my thought, and don't you preach that, and all of these different things. They envy one another. Murderers. Hey, well, you know, I'm not, I'm, there are those, uh, I'm not getting into that. Drunkenness, reveling, and, and such the like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They have no inheritance. They have no authority. They have no right to come and proclaim that they are true Christians. Why? Because they are following after flesh. They're following after a man. The man fit every one of these descriptions when you dig under the surface. But don't you tell them that because that wrath will come out. It says they will not inherit the kingdom of God because they have chosen the wrong tree. They've chosen the tree that God said it leads to death. And if you go with me into Romans chapter 1, he goes deeper into what these attributes, what the fruits of the flesh, of the law, of the knowledge of good and evil, because you can trace this whole Thing all the way back down to this one tree. When you look at this, he tells you right away who he's talking to and what type of people he's talking about. He says, because that when they knew God, these are not worldly people. These are not the heathens. These are not the you know, the infidels. No, these are the people you sat in church with. These are the people that had a form of godliness, but they didn't know the power. They denied the power because the power is life. The power comes from another source. It's because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful but becoming vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. 
Look at that. Remember what I told you to think about when Eve was going to take that fruit. This makes one wise. This will make you wise. You'll know good and evil. You'll know what road to walk down to obtain the holiness that you know that my holiness will be pleasing unto God. And I've heard people say, if, you, if we're going to believe holiness, we have to believe what this man said. That man didn't know anything about holiness. If you want holiness, you have to eat from the right tree. You have to produce the right fruit. They, they wanted to take these scriptures in Galatians about variance and want to talk about blessed unity. They didn't know what unity was. Because unity of the Spirit is love. It doesn't have to do with doctrine. Doctrine is about law. And it makes separations. Love creates unity. So even here in Romans 1 and verse 22, he's talking about partaking of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So let's look at the next thing. It says, And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man. Now, they did birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, but I want to pay attention to man. When you get questions of, is so-and-so your prophet too? Look at the religions of the world. They all have an image of a corruptible man. Buddha, Hindu, well, the Hindus, they've got, the, you know, 3,000 gods or something. I don't know. I haven't studied that. But Buddha, they got one dude. Muhammad, he's a prophet. He's a corruptible man. And you don't have to go very far into history and see where he was corruptible and corrupted. The Catholics have their Pope. The message has their Branham. You made the image of God like a corruptible man. You twisted the image of God and portrayed it at this little man with delusions of grandeur. The Bible says, Wherefore God gave also them up to uncleanness, through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Hey, you do a little research, you start to see where this was going on. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. God isn't love. God's not love. Oh, I want to hear about love. And they mock you for wanting to come to church and feel good. Love is punishment. Love is chastisement. They changed the truth of God into a lie. The truth is in the Bible it says God is love. They made it a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, 
who is blessed forever. Amen. Well, we know that's going on. For this cause, because they did these things, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use unto that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly. And receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Think about that. They don't want to retain God. They have to make some mythology. Some big thing. I know this is blank. But so is their mythology. So is their doctrine. It's blank in the eyes of God because it doesn't profit anything. It's a lie. It was all based on lies. They don't like to hear about the goodness of God. Because if you tell them what God's done for you, they say vile things like, well, don't testify about that. God does good things for other people too. Envying. Strife, jealousy. They don't want to retain the goodness of God in their mind. When you tell them what God did for you, they'll say, I don't believe that. You're not holy enough. You say, I heard from God today. Really? Oh, I, I, I have a hard time believing that because you don't fast enough. They don't want to know about God. They want to know about you. They want to know what the corruptible flesh is doing because inside of themselves, it makes them feel holy. It makes them feel powerful because they're the ones that set the rules according to what they can follow and what they can do. And so they impose it on everybody else. And if you can't live up, let me tell you something. If they don't like you, you can't live up. Because everything that you do, they'll find... Oh, well, I, there's a subsection to this rule that I made that fits what you're doing. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, Maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers. Hey, I heard Jordan. Hey, Jordan doesn't believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost anymore. What? I don't know who said that, but you're an idiot. You're whispering around backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters. Oh, I was in church and somebody came and gave me a prophecy and told me how deep I am and how wonderful I am. Read Romans 1. Look at the mirror. Disobedient to parents. 
inventors of evil things, without understanding. Now, this is not talking about no knowledge, because they have all the knowledge in the world. They'll, they'll preach to you that knowledge is a gift of the Spirit. And this knowledge that they're talking about is understanding the message. It's, it's, it's garbage. I, I'm not trying to offend people here today, but it's absolute trash. The holiness message that I was preached to all my life, that I tried to live up to, is garbage. Because even though you can obtain it in the eyes of the people who don't care for you, you'll never obtain it. You'll never be anything. It's just a way to pick and choose who they're going to listen to. And if God speaks through you and you have any of these little bylaws wrong in your heart or you've done something they think you've done, they won't listen. So they don't want the knowledge of God. They don't want to hear the understanding of God. This is not understanding that way. This is their un not understanding of people. When somebody makes a mistake, they're not under they don't understand it. They don't portray love. When somebody makes a mistake, it's condemnation. Why? Because in their twisted mind, they think condemnation is love. Want to talk about toxic faith? There you go. It's toxic. It's disgusting. Has nothing to do with God. They change the truth of God into a lie. Without understanding, covenant breakers, covenant breakers, they betray you. They say they love you and they say that you're their brother. But as soon as it's convenient for them, they'll stab you in the back. And they'll tear your life to pieces without you even knowing it. Because they're liars. Covenant breakers. Without natural affection. Now I've seen this woman that doesn't even love her own son. Has no natural affection. They're implacable. They're unmerciful. And this is where it gets worse. Who knowing the judgment of God, they know that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but take pleasure in those that do them. They promote the ones that are like them. And they know, deep down inside, they know that this man, what he did was wrong. You can't deny it anymore. There's too much evidence. This is all the fruit of knowledge of good and evil. This is all what happens when the law is your bread and butter. Now, 
Go with me back into Galatians chapter 5. And we're going to take a look at the other tree now. The tree that produces forth life into the world. Now we, we don't have the fullness of that tree in our lives today because God barred the way and said that in, in, in case they live forever, we can't let them get to this. But he made a way for us to get there. So if we look at what this other tree is that brings, brings forth life, and if the tree of knowledge of good and evil brings forth death, and these are the attributes of the fruit that it bears forth, then obviously the tree of life is the opposite. And if we look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. When you are living by the Spirit... When you are producing the fruit of the Spirit, when you are producing what the root of that tree of life was meant to, when you are producing the love out, there is no law against you. That other tree has no power over you because you are separate. I want you to remember that separate. So when you look at this, this is a list of what love looks like. Because, you know, when people want to say the fruits of the Spirit are, well, they're really taking the Bible out of context there. Because the Bible is saying the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, these other words are just describing what love looks like. When you have love, you're joyful. When you, are, when you have love in your heart, you're at peace. When you have love, you're long-suffering. Hey, I suffered long. I was in that mess for decades. And I kept thinking, if I love them hard enough, they'll change. If I love them hard enough, they'll look at me and they'll see, this is what God is really trying to do. But when they're giving themselves over, when God gives them to a reprobate mind, their mind, their conscience is seared. They, they won't see it because they're not apart. They're set apart because they're of another tree. So if you look at this scripture, Paul is taking shorthand to what he said to the Corinthians already. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now we look at this and we say, There's love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Okay, love, and these are the things that it does. And when we look at 
1 Corinthians 13, we'll start in chapter 1, or verse 1, I'm sorry. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries, and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. Now, the next verse says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, well, that sounds like a very loving thing to do. To take all you've got and, and give it to the poor. Well, no. <laughs> Not if you're like the Pharisees and you just desire to be seen. Your heart is corrupted. And Jesus tells them, you know, uh, what's inside the cup matters more than what's going on outside the cup. And if I give my body to be burned... And I have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You have all knowledge. You have the gift of prophecy. The gifts are meaningless when they're not operated through the tree of life. When they're not given to the tree of, of what God said in this world is love because what operates the gifts from God, what operates the gift of healing especially is compassion. You know why nobody was getting healed? It's because there was no compassion. Nobody loved anybody. It was all envy. Why would God do that for you? Because you do this and you do this and you do that. I could see God doing it for you if you would clean your life up. I'm not making this stuff up. These are direct quotes. There was no compassion. Oh, I heard one guy, he got baptized. And then he, as soon as he got baptized, he went outside and he smoked a cigarette. Hey, well, I don't think that baptism took, do you? Hey! It's called addiction, you moron. Have you ever been addicted to anything? I hear it's not very great. It's not something that you're proud of. It's an addiction. Oh, well, the baptism, you know, he, he went out and immediately sinned. No, he didn't. He died to his sin, and he raised up a new creature, and now God is in control of his life. So, well, it should bring forth fruit. It will, if you leave him alone. I got so sick of hearing about people that would come to church. New people would come to church and they would look, not look just right. They would not dress just right. Their guys would have their hair too long or they would, you know, they'd be a little dirty looking or whatever. And they would come in and they'd be praising God with everything that they had in them. Hallelujah, thank you for saving me. And everybody sitting there was all too holy to praise God with them. They were all too too stuck in that attitude that thank God I'm not as dirty as they are. When this sinner, which was twice the holiness that they ever were, was praising God for what he did.
They didn't have love. There was no charity there. There was... There was nothing in the way of compassion. They would get up and they'd give a big show. I knew a man, he could cry at the drop of a hat. Every time that he would stand up and, and, and testify or whatever, he could just bawl. And I mean, he was he should have got Oscars because he could those tears looked real. He could cry tears. I don't know if he was putting tweezers in his legs while he was doing it there. I don't know what was going on, but he was just red in the face and oh it was so oh we know he loves everybody because he's crying so good you know he's holy he's the biggest snake that <laughs> did ever come out of anything vipers you say jesse that's not nice you can't say that about people why jesus did Jesus looked at the Pharisees, looked directly at the religious of the day who had set up a system that had the, the, the same holiness that was blank. And he said, you generation of vipers. You hypocrites. I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. It's time that the children of God stand up and say what the truth is. Tell the truth. What they did to you. How they treated you. Where did you come from? So, well, that's just inviting trouble. No, it isn't. It's called healing. They, we have a saying here in America is that democracy dies in secrecy. Well, the same is true of the opposite. Tyranny dies in the open. So now we see that you can do all of these things. And this reminds me of the scripture in Matthew that, Lord, have we not done all these things in your name? And he tells them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You didn't want to know me. All you wanted was the status of doing things. All you wanted was to stand there and look holy, but you didn't actually want to know Jesus. You didn't really want to know what love was, that Jesus used that love, that out of that tree of life, that he stood in that tree and hung on that cross and died because he loved the world, not the elect there is an elect, but it's the ones that accept the love of Jesus and they love him back. And they don't look at others and say, well, you don't love him as much as I do. You say, well, Jesse, that sounds kind of hypocritical because of what your message is today. I'm not telling you what's inside their heart. I'm telling you what they did. And if they don't turn from this, the Bible is very clear where they're going. That God turns that, that system over to the reprobate mind. So that all corruption can be done. And if you go and you, there's some books you can read about people who come out of that mess. My. It turned your stomach. 
But if we look further in Corinthians chapter 13 and to the verse 4, we see why in Galatians love is the fruit of the Spirit. It says because charity suffereth long. Okay? Long-suffering. And is kind. Goodness. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth itself not. Is not puffed up. Doth not behave unseemly. It seeketh not her own. Now people have tried to say that, well, this means you can't love yourself. Well, that's not what it's talking about. It's saying that you love without expecting love in return. Because that's what God did. God, being all-knowing, knew what this world would be. And he loved it enough to make it anyway. Not expecting it to turn around and all love him back. That's what free will is all about. It's not easily provoked. And it thinketh no evil. There we go again. To the pure, all things are pure. You don't think about what this one has done and what that one has done. You're just happy to love the Lord and go along until they start beating you over the head for something silly. And then you start to look around a little bit. Wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not with the sheep here. I'm amongst wolves and they're wanting to tear me apart. I'm out of here. It rejoiceth not in iniquity. I remember what it said in Romans. It said, knowing that the punishment of God for what they're doing is death, they didn't only do it themselves, they rejoiced in others that did it. That's not love. But rejoiceth in the truth. It beareth all things. It believeth all things. It hopeth all things. It endureth all things. Oh, well, Jesse, that means you should have stayed there and got beat up because love endures. The love endureth forever. Well, let's not be ridiculous now. Let me tell you what that means. That means that if they come to me and said, Jesse, I'm sorry for what we did. The Lord has shown us and there is full repentance. I forgive them. I forgive them whether they do it or not. Whether they say sorry or not, I forgive them. And I love them. And I want them to do right. I want them to stop treating people like garbage. And if you skip down to verse 13, it says, Now abideth faith, hope, charity. These three, but the greatest of these is charity. You can have hope and you can have faith. But if you have those without charity, you're nothing. And if you go with me to Romans chapter 6, 
verse 22. We understand that this tree of life is producing something opposite in the world from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That the tree of life produced salvation and the tree of knowledge of good and evil produced law. And when we look at the differences in what the fruit of following the law and making that the Lord of your life and the difference between that and making Jesus your Savior and the Lord of your life, the Prince of Peace, the God of the, uh, the Prince of Peace and the, the word that I had in my brain that went away, it was a good one. He's good. So when you, when you make him everything, the law is nothing because you're not looking at the law because you're not looking at others for what their mistakes are. You're not paying attention to them. You're saying, hey, you over there. Hey, you, uh, look, there's Jesus. That's Jesus. He's awesome. He loves you. Look, don't you see him? Don't you see Jesus? He's all, he's everything. He's the greatest thing there ever was. He loved us enough that he died on a cross so we could be saved for and live forever. Don't you see him? Don't you love him? And the ones that are, are looking at the law, they're sitting there like this, looking around everybody else. I don't think he's really seeing Jesus because his belt's untied right. I don't think he, ah, she's definitely not seeing Jesus. She's got a toe ring on. You're not paying attention to Jesus. You're not looking at the God that saved you. You're looking at the people that God saved. And you're judging them to not be saved. It says, but now being made free from sin and becoming servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Your fruit unto holiness is love. It's the fruit of the Spirit. That is what holiness is. To be holy is to be loving. To be holy is to not judge. To be holy is to stand in front of somebody that's smoking a cigarette, wearing pants, wearing shorts as a woman, wearing a t-shirt that says things you don't agree with. Holiness is standing there with that person, putting your arm around them and saying, God loves you. And you have the same salvation that I have. That's holiness. Well, Otto wouldn't get in the ditch with nobody. Hey, I'll get in the ditch. I'll stand in the ditch. You know why? Because sometimes to get somebody out of the ditch, you got to push them from the bottom. Say, so, well, I wouldn't go to no bar. I've been in the bars. I've preached Jesus in the bars. I didn't drink nothing, but I was there. And the people, you know what? Drunks will listen to you. But you know what? Some of them drunks know the Bible better than any message believer. One man, he I was working, I was working out of town for a brother. And uh, he wasn't there, and I had to sleep in a hotel room with one of his other employees. And his big thing was I got a drink every night. And he would he would drink a 12-pack of beer every night. And that made me nervous because 
I, I was never around that kind of stuff. I was around some, some other stuff, but it bothered me. But you know what? When he got drunk, he was an nicest man, and he started quoting scripture to me. He knew Matthew chapter 5. I said, well, I've never heard that before. That would never been preached to me, who Jesus was, and what the people that loved Jesus looked like. That had no, I was like, I learned more about Jesus from a drunk man than any message preacher that I'd ever talked to. You're in trouble then. But your holiness is love. I like that. We were talking about that this weekend in the in the chosen. So you, Matthew tells Jesus, says, "You said you were going to tell us how to find you." He says, "If you if you go to where the people that act like this are, I'm there. When you find the people of God, when you go to where the love is, there's Jesus. There's a man in Walmart." We went to a little church with him. This and this man, he's the sweetest man on earth, and he loves everything. Loves everything. I mean, and he, he disagrees with a lot of stuff, but he loves it anyway. He shows love to everybody. I walk in there and say, oh, Brother Jesse, there's Brother Jesse. Oh, Sister Karina, there's Sister Karina. And he comes and he hugs and he talks and he wants to tell you what the Lord did for him. Let me tell you something. That beats a message person out in public because when you meet them in public, you know what they do? Is they run from you. They don't want to know about what God's doing for you today. They say, oh, I got to get, I got to get some stuff done. We'll talk about God in church. Because you know what? Oh, well, then you're... I heard this all my life. You're too heavily minded to be any earthly good. That's not even in the Bible! There's no such thing! Just like the God helps those who help themselves, that's not in the Bible either! I made a fool of myself talking to somebody about that one day. So, oh yeah. You know, you can be too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. He said, well, where's that in the scripture? Oh, I don't know exactly. Let me look it up. It ain't there. I looked stupid. And that's okay. I look stupid a lot. I don't care. But I don't want to portray God as something that he isn't. And what it was is it was saying to people that really did love God, and that was the only thing on their lips every day, was what Jesus was doing, how wonderful he was, what I studied and what I heard and what I prayed and what I did this. They didn't want to hear it because it scared them. Because that meant they were going to wake up someday and see that all this stuff that I'm doing is a lie. had nothing to do with them being unholy or unfit or anything like that. It meant that they were too holy, they were too fit, they knew God and they didn't need them. So you have your fruit unto holiness because you have love. You accepted Jesus. We talked about what the works of God are. is to believe Him that He sent. Believe on Jesus. Believe what He said. Believe what He did. Believe... That he loves you. You know, I, I talked about my healing last week. And I wanted to, to clarify one thing. Healing is not about faith. It's not about pulling in enough faith 
to be healed. It's about agreeing with God and not the enemy. The enemy wants to come and tell you how terrible you are. You know what? When I hear the enemy's words come out of the mouth of a preacher, I'm running out the door. When the preacher preaches to me exactly what the enemy's been fighting me with all week, it's time to leave. It's time to run because you're not getting fed. You're not standing there where you can hear the word of God. You need to go to church and hear what God thinks about you, what God says about you. And when God says, I love you, you have to believe him. And when he says that I healed you, you have to believe him. When he says, I'm going to do this for you, you have to believe him. Because you agree with God and not the enemy. There was a psalm that said, I, I believe what you say about me. I believe what you think about me. God, I believe what you think about me. That I'm not worthy, but you love me anyway. I believe that. Because that is holiness. Not this rules, not this regulations, not this women wearing pants and skirts and tights and this and all that stuff that has nothing to do with what God was talking about in the scripture. The scripture that says that God is love looks at your holiness and he spits on it because your holiness, it spits on the very act that Jesus portrayed on the cross. It takes the salvation of Jesus and it throws it in the garbage. Say, Jesse, you're mad now. No, I'm telling you the truth. You, you've never seen me mad. So you're loud. That I'll agree with. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The wages, the fruit of knowledge and good and evil is death. But the fruit is of love is eternal life. The fruit of the Spirit. When you live by that, you're not subject to their laws. When you live under God, you're not subject to any man. You want to be the bishop of Indiana? You want to be the Pope of America? You want to be the, you know, were you going to come back and be President of the United States in the, in the millennium? You're an idiot because there isn't going to be a United States in the millennium. There isn't going to be an Indiana in a millennium. You're not coming back to work on your tractor. You're coming back to show the people what love is. What the gospel was preached. What the gospel from the beginning that the tree of life was love. And that you were supposed to go with this and not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. In all of your ways. And lean not on your own understanding. And he will make your path straight. That's scripture. You know what? They wanted to preach about chastisement all the time. And they would love to preach chastisement. But if anybody ever stood up to them and said, you're wrong, they couldn't take it. Why? Because you'd have scripture behind you. And I'm going to tell this again. If you're a woman out there. And you're being abused by your husband. And you're being treated like garbage. You get out of that relationship and you run as far as you can. You call me and I'll help you. I don't want to hear about this. 
I gotta keep him. I gotta take him back. I gotta do all this stuff. No, he destroyed your. He destroyed that covenant. A man who claims to be a believer. Read Romans one at him. If he lines up with any of that stuff, he's an unbeliever. Doesn't matter what he claims. Run from him. If he hits you, run. If you find out he's hitting your kids, take your kids and run. Call the law. So, well, you can't call your law on your brother. Your brother wouldn't do that to you. So now you're angry, Jesse. I am a little bit now. Because I have seen women abused. I have seen children thrown away. I've seen all of these things in the church. Because we have to look holy to the outside world. We can't have all this stuff go on here. It's less about the inside. It's less about healthy. It's less about having people that are healthy and knowing what God wants for them than when somebody drives down the street, is my steeple shined up good enough for you? If you're in that situation, you're in a toxic faith situation, and you don't even you don't need to just leave your husband, you need to leave your church. Because let me tell you something else. There's a thousand churches just down the road from you, and every one of them is better than the one you're in. It's time for the people of God to stand up. It's time for the people of God to wake up and to not take this foolishness no more. Tyranny, it dies in the light. Shine the light on it. Don't let them scare you. Let me tell you something. If you leave the message, you're not going to get cancer and die because you left the message. I can't tell you how you'll die because you're going to die someday. But it won't be because you left the message. Don't let the devil tell you that garbage because it's a lie. And fear is a liar. And if a preacher is using fear to keep you in the church, you know that the preacher is the devil. Wake up. Run. For your very life, run. Because the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. You don't have to work for it. And it's through Jesus Christ our Lord. And with that, I'll say amen. <laughs>